You're not satisfied. You can stir up that gift on the inside. You can fan that flame yourself. We talked about that last week. You can hunger yourself. You can make yourself hungry. You can do that. But that's what the church should be doing is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Not content with where you are. Never content with where you are. And I, and I will have to say myself, you know, it seems like every, every week I prep, I find out more that I don't know than I do know. Every time that I spend time prepping for the week, I find out more. I'm going, huh? What is that? I didn't know that. You know, I find out more. And that's the way it should be. Every time you read your word or pray in the spirit or you worship the Lord, you go deeper. Like I said last week, you push against the flesh and you choose to do the spiritual thing. You choose to worship. You choose to pray in tongues. You choose to read your word, even though your flesh says you don't have time this morning. Or your flesh says you need to get this done or that done. I find... You know, sometimes it's easier for me if I come over here to spend time with the Lord because then I'm not, like my husband used to say, he'd go outside here at the church and he'd pray and he says, you know what? I'd start to pray and there would be every grass coming through, every crack. I'd see every grass and he'd have to pull, start pulling those grasses through. All that is is a distraction away from what God wants you to do. But see, that happens, you know, you all of a sudden you start thinking of all these things you need to get done and your mind is all bogged down with all these things that need to be done in the flesh. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I know from once I talk, you know, it's true. It's true. You sit down to pray and there's this going on and this going on and you, you have to pray and break into a place of peace where it doesn't matter what's going on around you doesn't matter one bit. doesn't matter who's there. doesn't matter who's watching. doesn't make any difference. Amen? Okay, so, so what do we do in the midst of a storm? We keep our eyes on Jesus. In the midst of a storm, he is the focus. He is the focus. And see, that's what happened to Peter. Peter did not keep his eyes on Jesus. What he, what he did was he got to looking at the boisterous. I think King James says boisterous. Yeah, thank you, Ron. Boisterous. That word boisterous there is mightier, powerful, powerful, stronger than a man, stronger. And that, you know, we've all experienced that boisterous wind during the derecho, right? Right? Most of you did. I did in my car. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so that, that boisterous wind, you know, thinks that it, Peter saw that boisterous wind there. He looked at that and Oh my goodness, that's worse. I can't keep out here with Jesus. I can't stay focused with him. That wind, he looked at the wind and how boisterous and it was mightier and stronger. And then he, what did he do? He started to sink, didn't he? He started to sink. He lost ground because he took his eyes off of Jesus. So in the midst of a trial and circumstance, you keep your eyes on him, not on the things going on with the circumstance. And you know, with with practice, you'll with with doing that, doing the word, what the word says, you'll learn to you'll learn to keep that uh, your focus on him and not on the circumstance. You know, it's kind of like the I used to share this. It's kind of like horses. You know, in the olden day when they plow, they'd have the blinders 
right here so they couldn't see anything moving on either side. That's what we have to have on when we're, when we're focused on what God has told us to focus on and what he's telling us to do. We don't look at the left or we don't look to the right because if we do that, that's the direction we're going to go because we're afraid of that or we're afraid of that. So we're over here. We're always over here. If we see it over here, we're always over here trying to make this work right. Or we're over here trying to make this work right. But instead, if our focus is on Jesus, Jesus will make it work right. Okay? You know, so it's really important to, to get those blinders on and not be moved by what you see going on here. I think there's an Old Testament scripture verse talks about not looking to the left or looking to the right. That we need to stay focused right on what Jesus has said. Amen? Okay, so, so, um, so in that, I got off on that word come there, that word come. God is always calling us to come, come deeper with him, come and walk on the water, come and walk with him. Okay, and Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Verse 30, but seeing the wind, the boisterous wind, he became afraid and began and beginning and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? This, he doubt, he, the, the fear caused the doubt for him to lose sight of the focus. Amen. So he was afraid. All right, let's look at Colossians three, two Colossians three, two, please. See God, God is so good. He, he helped Peter in that situation. Amen? He helped Peter, Peter stay on, on um, rescued him out of the midst, even though he wasn't, he wasn't um, coming. He looked at the winds and the waves and got caught in the circumstances. And, um, but God still rescued him because, because he cried out to God his Father. Amen? Okay, Colossians 3.2 says... Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. So set your mind. That's where your mind has to be. And when I, when I taught this before, set your mind, cement it in place. Cement it in place. This is what I'm thinking on. I'm not thinking on this. I'm not thinking on that. You see, most of the time our worry becomes what we think is God's leading in our life. And it isn't. Care and anxiety is not your leading. It's not your leading. Peace is always your leading. So if you're not in peace, then you're in care and anxiety. And so sometimes when we're in care and anxiety, we think that's our leading and we go off and we get led that way. We do that. But peace always needs to be our leading. We always should be in a place of peace with whatever we decide to do. And if you're not, it's not God. Amen? Okay, so set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. And then, of course, you know Romans. Back up to Romans just a little bit. Romans 8 is, is my favorite. Romans 8, 6, and, and 7. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, verse 7. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So set your mind. Set your mind. Most of you understand how to set your mind. It means you don't think, you don't even entertain any other thought. 
either God meets all your needs or he doesn't. That's the thought, the thought you have. God meets all your needs. Either by his stripes you're healed or you're not. Okay, and if, if those are areas there where God has um, uh, all your needs are met in Christ Jesus, and, and you're confessing that, and you're standing firm on that, and then you stay focused on that. You keep confessing that scripture verse. You keep speaking that scripture verse out. And in the midst of the storm, he'll give you wisdom. He'll give you wisdom. We'll get to that here in a minute. But um, let's see. Um, let's look at Hebrews Hebrews 12, please. Hebrews 12, 2. Jesus is our example of how to fix your eyes. You know, he never wavered. He never wavered. He sweat drops of blood because he didn't want to do it. That was a, you know, he didn't want to do that, but he never wavered. He kept focused on what God had called him to do, why he was here and what he was called to do. He kept focused on that. Oh, there's a lot that could be said about that. Are, are we focused on what God has called you to do here? Are you focused on that? Are you focused on that? Not always, yeah. We get caught up in the winds and the waves, and, and sometimes we get caught up in doing works that aren't necessarily what the Lord wants us to be doing. But Jesus is our example in verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, verse 3, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may now, you may not grow weary and lose heart. He endured a lot on the cross for each one of us. His focus, he knew why he was coming. He knew what he was to do. And he stayed focused on that the whole time he was here. Amen? Focused on that the whole time. He stayed focused on that. And see, that's why you're, you've been bought by, you've been paid for. You've been bought for, bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. And that um, your life is not yours anymore. You've been enslaved to God. You're not enslaved to the flesh anymore. You're not enslaved to the flesh or to sin, the sin nature. You've been set free from that, and now you belong to him. You're here to serve him in everything that you think and everything that you do. You're here to serve him. You will find that your focus will become more and more around him and what you can do to please him. You will find that more and more your focus around him, not so much the flesh things, the flesh things. Remember, we talked about the flesh stuff takes you to hell. So so you want to surrender to his lordship and live for him. And he's going to take you to heaven. And that's where we want to be. Amen. That's where we want to be. Hell's no fun. Well, I mean, <laughs> I can't say that for sure, but, you know, I've read a lot about it. You know, I've not been there. But anyway, but, you know, you, you, you just know that it's no fun from the, the scriptures and, the, you know, the, you know, the description of it. And so, so you don't want to go to hell. You just, I don't care. I don't care if the pleasures here are so magnanimous 
Is that a good word? (laughs) That's a big word for me. I don't care if the pleasures here are so great that you don't care about your eternal destination. You should care about your eternal destination. You only got one shot at it. One shot. You're either going to live for him here and serve him here and follow him here, or you're going to serve your flesh and follow the devil right into hell. You have one shot at it, and you have to stay focused on the things of God. You have to. You have to stay focused. Now, I'm not, I, I, I know I, sh- I share that a lot, but, but it's important. It's important. I see too many people get born again, and then they, they lose focus, and they go off, and you don't see them five years from now. They wake up, and they're not even, they don't even know who God is. I see too many people that way. I see too many people that, you know, there's things that they've got to do, and, and they, you know, well, I'll, yeah, I'll get to church next month. I'll get there. Well, why is it important that we come together as the body of Christ? The word of God washes you and cleans you up and keeps you clean, keeps the junk off of you so that you can serve God the next week. It doesn't mean it doesn't take the place of you having your own relationship with him. You should have your own relationship with him. Amen? But it's it's coming together and, and fellowshipping together and and encouraging one another and hearing the word of God and being in worship together. It's such a, a, a corporate anointing upon worship and upon the word. And there's, it's just important to be in church. Amen. It's important. So I see that I've seen that too much through the years where people have gone off track, off track. I, I pray for them. I get, I get concerned, pray for them. I may talk to them, you know, but they get off track. And then, you know, once they've, they've tasted the things of God and they get off track, it's hard to get them back on, you know. I've, I've said that a couple of weeks now. I don't know who that's for, who needs to hear that. But anyway, you know, like you can use an airplane as an example. You know, a lot of times the pilots will get in and they'll get the course set and they lock it into position <clears throat> in the plane. And the plane just goes until it just goes and goes. But, you know, if they're not in that pilot place making sure the wind is not causing the plane to go this way just a little bit, then the plane is going to just go this way a little bit, and pretty soon it's off course. And nobody knew it because they weren't paying any attention. That's what happens when you get off course a little bit and you you don't read your word or you don't pray or you don't get in church or you don't fellowship with people of like faith. You get off course. You get off course you see what I mean and so then then the plane lands somewhere in Timbuktu instead of where it was designated to go okay okay so that's um, that's important so um, you know I, I can tell you, you know when I when I got born again that I was uh, I had to develop my own relationship with the Lord I had nobody tell me anything about reading the word or any of that. And I saw, you know, in the denomination I was in, I never saw hands laid on, never any of that, no healing, nothing. But I did develop a relationship, but because I had did not have that, I didn't have 
the encouragement of people around me to lead me and guide me and help me. I didn't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I got off track. I got off track. I loved God, but before I knew it, I wasn't, I wasn't in church. I wasn't serving. I had been serving in church, and, um, and, my, and my sister was able to get me back on track. I mean, she had me come down and do the musical. I've told you that before. But because I had gotten off track, I made decisions that weren't in line with the scripture. It was nothing terrible, nothing terrible. But still, for me, I I wanted to, uh, I started out strong. I wanted to serve God and have a relationship with him. But, the, you know, I didn't have anybody to have any fellowship with or be in church. So it's really important. It's important that you stay in fellowship and you stay focused and um, um, do all you can with the Lord. Amen? And for the Lord. Okay, let's talk about, um, this is point number two, if you're writing them down, praying in the Spirit. You know, I've talked a lot about praying in the Spirit. (laughs) Anyway, praying in the Spirit, fellowshipping with with your Father is is not just a one-way street. It's not you just doing all the talking. If, if, if I was going to fellowship with Josh and I did all the talking and then never let him say anything, would it be a fellowship? Not, no, it wouldn't be fellowship. That's the way it is with Father. When you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying and, and, and uh, talking to, to God, your Father, but you need to sit and listen to what he's got to say to you. Maybe he's going to tell you, stop doing this, or maybe he's going to tell you, you were good. That was, I was, I, he, you know, have you ever ha- experienced him encouraging you? Encouraging you in something you've done? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> oh, and those times are so, that are so good when he encourages you like that. Makes you want to cry because he's encouraging you. You're doing good, kid. <laughs> you know, you're doing good. Keep it up. Keep it up. That's exactly what it feels like when he's encouraging you. You're doing good. He's not up there with this great big hammer waiting to hit you on the head the minute you step offline. He's not that at all. He's not that. He's a good God. He loves you. He is for you. He said he'd never leave you or forsake you. He has every blessing and benefit for you already in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He wants to fulfill every promise that he has, he has made for you. He wants to do everything for you. But you know who hinders that? Boy, I'm really over on this thing today. You know who, you know who hinders that? We do. We stop the blessings. We stop the blessings by the way we speak or the way we, maybe the way we pray or, or um, the way we live, the way we act. We stop those blessings. He can have all kinds of blessings for us. You see, he wants to pro- cause us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. So if your soul's not prospering, are you going to prosper? No. Okay, well then, praying in the Spirit. Fellowship, talking, and listening, you do both when you're fellowshipping. You do both. Fellowship through the Spirit who lives in you. Okay, so John 14, 16, please. You know, when we're all, when we're all, uh, in here, I talked about the corporate anointing. We're all working together to get God's word. And if everybody is not pulling on the word of God out of me, it ain't going to happen. Everybody has to be expecting to receive something from the Lord when you come in here. 
when you come in here. Amen? Expect. You put that expectancy on, you put a demand upon the gift and the calling on the inside of me. You put a demand. And um, it makes a difference to the delivery of the word if the Holy Spirit senses the demand. Anyway, okay, seems like this is a school day. All right. John fourteen sixteen. <laughs> I just don't have my yardstick up here. It's the only thing. <laughs> I'm slapping right and left. Does anybody know it? <laughs> anyway, John fourteen sixteen, And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking, and I will send... I will give you another helper that he may be with you. The helper is the Holy Spirit. And I see this all the time, but get this, a picture of this. It's like the Holy Spirit, Jesus had to go so the Holy Spirit could come and walk around with you every minute of every day. So the Holy Spirit's walking with you. He knows exactly what you're not doing right. He knows exactly where you're missing it. He knows the sin you're in. He knows what you just said that's wrong. He knows everything about you. But yet he's here to help. He's here to help you. How many times do we let him help us? We think we can take care of the worry and the care ourselves, but we don't let him help. And that's what praying in the spirit does. When we come and sit down and we pray in the spirit, we're fellowshipping with him, the father, Because he knows everything, the Holy Spirit knows everything, and the Holy Spirit's going to lead us and guide us into all truth. He's going to show us things that come, and he knows exactly how to help you pray. You may not know what you're praying about, but you're praying out mysteries, and so those mysteries and those understandings are going to come to the service eventually. You're going to have an understanding on what and how to handle the situation you're in. Whatever situation you're in, the Holy Spirit has come to help you get out of it. The Holy Spirit has come to help you, build you up so you can have faith to walk out of it. He's going to keep you in the love of God if that situation's a problem. The Holy Spirit has come to help you. I can't, you know, he is just so real in my life to me. I can't make you have that real experience with him that I have had. I can't make you do that. I can't make you... Know how important the Holy Spirit is in your life. You're going to have to come to that understanding yourself. But I can communicate it to you how good he is. And it's so important that Jesus had to go so each one of you can have Jesus walking alongside of you. We can't have a better victory than that, can we? We can't have a better victory. God has made a way for everything for us. He's made a way for us to walk in victory every moment of every day by the help of the Holy Spirit. By the help of the Holy Spirit. By the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to help each one of us. Each one of us. I don't care how tough the situation is. I don't care how tough the situation is doesn't make any difference God has that if you reach out and cry out to him he sent the helper to help you doesn't matter how tough it is doesn't matter how bad it looks if you cry out to God he's going to help you just like he did Peter walking on the water and Peter was sinking but he still cried out and God helped him and rescued him delivered him out 
of whatever bondage he was in or you're in. Amen? So the help of the Holy Spirit is so important in our lives. Amen? He's the helper. He's called to one's aid. He's assistant. He takes the place of Christ, which we already mentioned. He gives you divine strength under trials. Divine strength. Divine strength. He's your counselor. (laughs) He's a comforter. He's intercessor. Like I said, he shows you things to come, and he leads you and guides you into all truth. And, And like I've told you many times, the truth, all truth there is not the word of God, although that is is inclusive. All truth is whatever situation you're facing, he'll show you the truth about the situation. He'll show you the truth. You may have a kid that lies to you over here, but if you go to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit knows all about that kid, the Holy Spirit knows all about you, the Holy Spirit knows all about the circumstance, because you come to the Holy Spirit, he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth about the whole situation and about the kid and, and what they've done wrong, if they've done anything wrong. Or he may show you the truth of what they are saying is true. But the Holy Spirit is there to show you. Amen? Amen. I mean, we can't, we have a helper. Guys, we have a helper. Okay. So in Romans 8, we can look at that. Romans 8, I kind of paraphrased it my own. But Romans 8, 26. And um, 8, 26. And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So he's always, the Holy Spirit is praying according to the will of God. See, and he knows the will of God, and he's got to get it across to us, his will. Amen? He's got to get it across to us what his will is. Okay? Okay. So, let's see. So the Holy Spirit knows the heart of the Father. He knows the will and what God is wanting you to do. And so he will help you line up with those steps that he's ordered for you. You, you know, he's, let's just say the steps are all right here. And let's say you're clear over here. If you're going to pray in your prayer language, I mean worship, I don't want to leave any of them out. Pray in your prayer language, worship, you're going to read your word, you're going to be in church, all the things you know to do. He will get you moving this way. He will get you lined up with the steps you need to take. So so if you know you're doing all the things that you know to do, he will get you walking out your calling. He will get you into your calling. Every one of you have a calling. Every one of you have been called to do to do something for the Lord. Amen. So the Holy Spirit prays in line with God's will for your life and brings God and, and um, provision into manifestation together. Amen. Um, First Corinthians. Let's look at that, please. First Corinthians 14, 2. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. So those mysteries, just again to reaffirm, he's speaking mysteries. When we pray, we're speaking those mysteries, but at the same time, those mysteries, we're building ourselves up in our inner man, and those mysteries are going to be made known to us. Amen? 
So the mysteries, we may not know how to pray about a situation as we ought, but because we pray in the spirit, he's going to pray God's perfect will in that situation. And if you need to know about it, he's going to tell you how to do it. Amen. He's going to tell you about it. Amen. Okay. So verse, uh, the third point is to hold fast your confession. Hebrews 10, 23. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast. Hold fast. Remember we talked about the horse, the horse a couple of weeks, uh, several times about getting. And, you know, the Lord, I thought, well, there's nothing more he can say about the horse. But <laughs> he did today, you know, talk about we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony in Revelations 12:11. So this one is to hold fast our confession. So. You know, when you get up on the horse, you've already overcome. When you're on the horse, you've already overcome by the blood of the lamb. You know, if you step into the stirrup, you get up on that. When you get born again, you get up on that, in that place where you're an overcomer. You're an overcomer, okay? So you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. So your testimony is your confession, is your confession. So you hold fast your confession and with a horse you know if you don't hold on to the reins is a horse going to take off on you yeah yeah jazz knows the horse will take off if you don't tell the horse what to do it's going to do its own thing or it's going to buck but you have to hold fast see the new part that lord gave me you have to hold fast your confession of faith firm until the end so if you're if you're getting a horse if you're getting on a horse that's not been trained real well, you've got to hold him firm, firm until the end. So your confession, your confession holds, holds fast, okay? <clears throat> okay, so I'm running through that pretty quick, but I've covered confession. The last one is to rejoice. Let's look at Acts, Acts 16, please. Acts 16 is about Paul and Silas, if some of you... Paul and Silas and where they were, they, Paul got tired of this demonic influence following him around and crying out what a great man of God he was. He got tired of it. So he rebuked it and commanded it to go. And the demonic influence, so they, the men realized they had no more way to gain money or wealth. So they had Paul and Silas arrested. And so verse 31 in um no, wait a minute. Let's see back here. Paul and Silas imprisoned. Um, in, in verse 23 of chapter 16. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to guard them surely. And, you know, of course, if a jailer, if a prisoner gets let out or gets out, then the jailer is, is put to death in place of that prisoner. Okay. And verse 24, and he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison, not just prison, but inner prison, and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening. And verse 26, and suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. And when the jailer had been roused out of sleep and had seen the prison doors open, he drew his sword and he was about ready to kill himself. And supposing that the prisoners had escaped, but Paul cried out and said with a loud voice, we're all here, don't do any harm to yourself. 
And he called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down. And of course, he wanted to know how he could be saved. So <clears throat> in that situation, God took a negative. It was a negative against Paul and Silas. But because of their praying and praising, the foundations were shaken and they were set free. But the jailer was so moved, the whole situation brought glory to God. And the jailer and his family were all saved. Yes. They were all saved. And so, so in this, in our dark, when, when things look really bad, these are some of the steps you can do. And the last one is rejoice. Rejoice. If you've done everything you know to do, if you've confessed right, you've prayed in the spirit, you've got the understanding, you know what you need to say, what, what you need to do, and, and you're holding fast to your confession, then worship your heart out. You know what I mean? Worship. Worship, worship, praise, rejoice, give God glory because he's going to, he's working in the midst. Amen. He's working in the midst. And I like that part that he can cause a suddenly. That's the suddenly. That's what we need here in America as a suddenly. Amen. We need a suddenly to happen. And, and I believe that is going to happen. You know, God's, God's working in the midst. There's more and more things that are coming to the surface, coming to the light. The church is rising up more and more. Although on the, my, on the inside of me, I was so grieved this morning. Ron can testify to that. I was so grieved this morning when I got here that I probably should have. I just, I did, did try. I was trying to decide whether we were all going to roar as one big lion intercede or what, what he wanted to do. But it's going to probably have to be. I, I know I need to do that. I can tell on the inside of me that, you know, uh, and see when God gets, you know, you think God's sad about the way things are? Grieved? He doesn't like seeing his church sitting back and doing nothing. He doesn't like that. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the church at large that doesn't know anything about healing, doesn't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, doesn't know anything about who God is, who the who Jesus is, and who the Holy Spirit is. I'm talking about that. Well... I mean, we can all lump ourselves all together. There's all places where we're all growing and where we all need to grow. And we need to be better, better for him. Amen. We need to be better for him. So we can lump ourselves all together if we want to. But, but at the same time, God, God wants a church. He wants a church that is alive and on fire and is not moved by the circumstances that surround them, but they're moved by what God has told them to do. You know, that's what God's after. He's after a bold church, a church that's on fire. He's after a church that stops sinning and doesn't want anything to do with sin. He's after a people, a remnant of people that are hungry after the things of God. And they, and they, and they come together and they, they can roar like a lion. When I say roar, I roar like a lion. I'm, I'm looking for the day when the church comes together and prays. And intercedes, and it sounds like the roar of a lion. Amen? Amen? The roar of a lion. Because then things will move. We can move stuff out of the way. We have some some victory that way right now, but the church has got a ways to go. But we're doing good. <laughs> I want to stay positive about we're doing good. Amen? <laughs> we're doing good. All right. I'll see. Okay, so if you want to jot these down, we'll, fu- we'll finish. These are, these are scripture verses that you can look at that will be encouraging to you to stay on, on track, to stay focused. If you want to write these down, 
Um, otherwise, um, I'll tell Richard to leave these online and they'll be online for you. Um, and I'll let you look them up. I'm not going to read them that, because it is already after 12. Genesis 18, 14. Exodus 14, 13 through 14. Yes, Exodus chapter 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the stand still, the Moses one. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Uh, Joshua 1, 9, where Joshua's, I have, haven't I commanded you to be strong and be, be of good courage? Proverbs 13, 2 and 3. Guarding your mouth, you know. Um, Proverbs 15, 13 through 15. Proverbs 16, 24. These are all, all good scripture verses. Proverbs 17, 22. What, what, what? Where was your last one? Through 15. Mm-hmm. And then six, Proverbs sixteen twenty four. You got that one. Uh huh. Proverbs seventeen twenty two. Oh my goodness, guys, we're just getting started. Um, okay, Second Kings six sixteen six sixteen Psalms <laughs> sixteen seven and eight. Uh, Psalms thirty four nineteen. Of course, uh, uh, there's parts of Psalms ninety one, but all of Psalm ninety one is good. Okay, um, Isaiah twenty six three. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Daniel 11.32, Psalm 118.17, same book again, Psalm 138.8. The next three are all Proverbs, Proverbs 10.6, 10.22, and 11.3. Um, of course, First John four four, you over God, little children, and overcome them, because greater is He in you than He is in this world. And um, the next one is Third John two. Of course, we've already talked about we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's Revelations twelve eleven, and Luke one thirty seven. Nothing is impossible. That's for you. That's right. <laughs> Whoa, Luke. One thirty seven. Revelation twelve eleven was ahead of that. Luke one thirty seven. I just thought that was for Josh. That nothing with God, nothing is impossible. You know, you can put those two with God all things are possible to him who believes. One one does the first part, the other does the other part. Okay, uh Luke ten, nineteen, we tread upon serpents and scorpions. We're just about done. John fifteen, four and seven. Uh, Romans eight thirty seven, First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. This will be a good Bible study. You can go home and look all these up, and then you can say I was in church all day. 
2 Corinthians 2.14. <laughs> okay, last one, Hebrews 13.5. 13.5. Okay, those are all scripture verses you can keep before you when you're standing, knowing the greater one is in you. Amen? Amen. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Linda. Um, I don't know. Let's see. What was it? 118. Mm-hmm. 118.17. Yes. Amen. Okay, well, uh, we'll close in prayer. And if, if you anybody wants prayer for anything, um, Father, we just want to thank you for your word, for the encouragement of your word, Father. You said in your word, even all these scripture verses I just read out, Father, that your word doesn't return void, Father. So that's why it's so important that we speak out your word. It doesn't return void, but it is accomplished. It accomplishes a great and mighty work wherever we send it and doesn't come back void. So we thank you, Father, that your word is working mightily, not only in us, but in the situations that we send it to. And we give you all the praise and the glory. You are so good, Father. And we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the encouragement, the help of the Holy Spirit, the price that Jesus paid. And you, Father, you are good. And, and, and we love you, Father, Jesus. And we love you, Jesus. And we love you, Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen.